Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Awesome. Well, if you've been here the last two weeks, we've been, um, we've been in a certain vein. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the fivefold ministry, which is the gifts of Christ. It is the leadership that the Lord establishes in the church. How many of you were here for that, enjoyed that? How many of you are here and didn't enjoy that? Don't raise your hand. Um, and then last week, we talked about the, um, we talked about out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, well, really 12 and 13, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, and then we talked about the Spirit of the gifts. So there are um, gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the body for the building up of the church. So the gifts are meant for the encouragement of, of the body. It's to see us mature, to become like Jesus. But Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 13. He, he basically said, if I had all the gifts and I was really good at all the gifts, but I didn't have love, then I have nothing. I'm nothing. And so I believe that the Lord wants to actually teach us to buy his spirit, to walk in love towards one another. And out of that place of love and affection that we can encourage people through the gifts of the spirit. Amen. I believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today. They are alive and active in the church. And I believe that Paul actually said, desire the gifts. Ask for the gifts. You should be asking. Ask them. Why? So that you can build a platform? No. So that you can encourage your brothers and sisters. Right? And uh, what would the body look like if we all showed up with something to give? I've uh, said this as far as um, I believe we, we live in a culture and a society that in many ways is fatherless. And I believe the Lord wants to heal that. But I believe one of the marks of fatherlessness is that you have fathers or men who are supposed to be fathers or even mothers who walk into a room and they feel like they have nothing to give. Is I, I believe it's been the plan of the enemy to rob that. But I believe the Lord is restoring Family, He's restoring mothers and fathers to where they walk into a room with people and they have something to give. And where they actually are imparting and depositing things into the children. You know, I love that um, in Malachi, right before the, the last scripture before there was 400 years of silence from God and then Jesus comes on the scene. The last scripture was this, is that... The, the Lord was going to, in that day, he was going to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. And I believe that that day is for today. I believe that is needed for our nation, for the world. And I believe that the Lord wants to speak to our hearts and do a work in our hearts where we begin to turn our hearts to the children. And what will happen is the hearts of the children will turn to the parents. And I'm not just, I, I, I want you to know, I'm not even talking about age right now. I'm talking about, I've, I've noticed this with the emerging generation, is because they weren't, they have, many of them haven't been fathered and mothered well, what has happened is there is actually a, um, there is actually a resistance to mothers and fathers. There is a resistance to, um, to, Wisdom and there is a, 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 a there is an unteachableness, and I believe the Lord wants to restore that. Where the 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 hearts of the fathers and mothers will be, this is that I want the very best for you. 
is that I want to actually see um, you become not what I want you to be, but what the Lord wants you to be and what he's called you to be. And, um, and where we're actually willing to carry what the Lord has for us so that we have something to give to people is whatever you hold in your hands is your children's inheritance. Whatever you hold in your hands is your children's inheritance. Whatever you're in agreement with, and not that the Lord can't change that in them, but as far as what you have to give, whatever you hold in your hands. And I believe that the Lord wants us to be carrying um, deep, intimate relationship with him, and that's what our, our inheritance that we are giving to our children is to know him. Amen? Awesome. So today, um, there were two things. I, I, as we've been talking about we talked about, again, the gifts of Christ, the gifts of the Spirit. I talked about this week wanting to talk about the function of the gifts. But I felt like from the Lord that we needed, that he wanted us to spend a little bit more time in, um, in how we, what we actually need to be able to carry what he has for us. How we position our hearts in a way where we can love one another well. Where, you know, <clears throat> the, if you read in the book of Corinthians... The Corinthian church, they loved the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. They loved the gifts of the Spirit. Paul talks about them. You love the gifts. You love prophesying. You love, um, you love praying in the Spirit. You, you love these things. And where he was coming was saying, but there's divisions among you. There's not unity. And you're not actually motivated by love. And so he comes and he corrects some things in the church. He says, hey, listen, all those things are good. But there's something that's actually, um, that takes precedence. There's actually something that causes those things to actually bear fruit. Right? And there's two things that I felt like the Lord was saying that he wants to mark his body with. So that we can carry well what he has for us. How many of you want to carry well what God has for you? How many of you don't want to just um, have, have gifts and anointing, but you want to have the character of God? You want to have his very nature in you, yeah? And um, I believe when you take on the nature of God, all the other things flow very well from your life. And so the two words that the Lord gave me were unity and humility. Unity and humility. I want to, I'm going to talk just for a minute about humility. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, in my notes, I'm trying to unpack a lot today, so we may get like halfway through, but it's, it's all going to be good. Um, you know, I love that in James chapter 4, James says this, he says, God gives grace to the humble, right? But what happens with the proud? He says, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. And that word resist means he actually stands against now, the Lord loves you, but he will not partner with an arrogant attitude, right? He loves you, but there are certain things that the Lord's just saying, I won't partner with that. And so he invites you into a life of humility. And humility is this. Humility is knowing who you are and knowing who you're not and being okay with who you are and being okay with who you're not. It's actually humility can only come by the work of the Holy Spirit because what he begins to do is show you who you are. Without the lordship of the Holy Spirit, what happens is you are left to create your own identity and then to maintain that identity, right? And when it's up to you, you're probably on your own going to get it wrong. You're going to, it births insecurity. It births fear because you have created an identity that you have to withhold. And if anything infringes on that version of you, 
you have to put up this mask of arrogance to say, no, this is me, this is me. I, I, it, it's, it's a, that, that we, we become unteachable, right? Because we're not living, living a surrendered life. And so the Lord, what he wants to do is he actually wants to make you okay with you. In humility, where you're saying, hey, I, I know who the Lord's made me. You know why Jesus was able to, the Bible talks about Jesus as a humility. He, he is the very son of God. It was God coming in the flesh. And he, one, he, 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 did, he um, made a decision that he was going to come and put on flesh. That's a big deal. That he was going to come as a man and he was going to submit himself to all of the struggles and temptations that we have as humans. What a God that he would humble himself in that way. That he would come and walk with me and you. He didn't have to. But in his humility and his love, he came. And he was setting an example of what he designed humanity to look like and to be. Right? And so you are actually designed to live in humility. It is, your, it, sh- it is actually your natural response. I believe arrogance is you fighting for something that you're not. And so, um, in a minute, I, I've, I've used this before, but I actually have 15 signs of true humility that we're going to put up, and they're really fun, and, um, and they're very honest. And, uh, and so we're going to do that in just a minute, but I, I want to say this is that if you, in your heart, um, you know, I love this. Moses wrote, there's a scripture where it was literally Moses was the writer and he wrote, now Moses was the most humble man in the earth. <laughs> and I'm like thinking, man, that violate, violates humility. But no, Moses knew who he was in the Lord. Moses knew what the Lord deposited in him and what he was made for. And so sometimes... Um, so confidence is an arrogance. Knowing who you are is an arrogance. That's why Apostle Paul was saying, hey, I'm an apostle of Christ. It's wise because he, the one who is defining him, right? He, he, someone else, someone the highest authority was defining who he was, right? So he wasn't fighting for something that, a, a name that he had given himself. He was resting in the name that God had given him. That's humility, right? And so here's, here's 15 signs of true humility. One, you are teachable. All right? There it is. You are teachable. It means that you can sit. Um, here, I'll get out the way so y'all can take pictures. Um, it means this is that you can actually be taught. It means that you can even come into a setting like this. And you aren't looking to just criticize. You're not looking for the first thing to come up that you disagree with. Right? Um, teachable. It is, it is a posture of your heart. You say, hey, I'm willing to be taught. I, I love to surround myself with people who, I can, who can tell me something I don't know. I can be told something that I don't know. All right? Um, I'm in, you are influenceable. You can be influenced. You can be corrected without defending yourself. We're teaching our kids that. Pray for us. You can be corrected without defending yourself. Let me say this. Being part of the church body, whenever you're really planted, 
and where you make roots is that you actually invite people in your life that can tell you what you need to hear. You can actually be told what to do sometimes. Some of us need that. I love liberty and I love freedom. I love you being led by the Spirit. But if you have a hard time being told what to do, you might need the Holy Spirit to come and chop away some things in your life. If somebody comes and they're out of love, they're saying, hey, you don't need to do that. Or, hey, you should do this. And you're like, who are you to tell me what to do? Hey, the Lord will put people in your life to confront arrogance. And if you're, this, here's the whole overlying thing with arrogance. It isolates you. If you are someone who isolates and you don't need nobody, you may need the Holy Spirit. And here, the Holy Spirit is so gentle with you, He wants to teach you humility. It, but it, it, it will mean relationship with the Holy Spirit. This, I'm not saying these things to beat you up. I'm inviting you into relationship with the Holy Spirit so He can teach you to walk how you were meant to walk. All right? Next one. You rejoice when others are celebrated. Alright, so if there's something inside of you that when someone else is getting celebrated and you're like, what about me? It's like, hey, wait your turn. You, we, we love to celebrate you, but celebrate others. You know, Paul talks about, hey, in Corinthians, he actually talked about this. He said, um, a bunch of you are all trying to sue each other. He's like, why, why don't you just let yourself be wronged? Why don't you let somebody else get the good, get the credit? But there is a certain spirit, like God thinks differently than we think. And it's important that we take on his thoughts, right? So instead of us being like, well, why am I not the center of attention? What if it became our goal to say, Lord, how can I partner with you to celebrate others? How can I partner with you to love people? All right. No job is too small for you. Mm. You don't have to be right. Jesus. All right. You naturally seek the advice of others. The best thing you can do, look, if you're terrible with finances, go find somebody who's good with finances. Ask them to pray for you and teach you. If you're like, I'm just going to figure it out, I can do it. Like humility would say, as much, a lot of times we feel like we're going to be embarrassed, but it's like there is... There is um, blessing in humbling yourself and saying, hey, I need you. I, I, I need you to speak into that. I seek the advice of others. You actually do pray. All right. I don't even have to talk about that one. You freely admit your flaws, mistakes, and failures. doesn't mean you've got to go and bash yourself all the time. But if you make a mistake, that you're actually able to say, hey, Hey, I, I messed up. I did wrong. There's something about whenever you can just, th there is such freedom in being able to say, you know what, I messed up. I can tell, I, I, I love to be around people who they don't have this thing where they can't be wrong. It's like where they're just like, hey, look, I was wrong. Uh, you, you'll find this with people who are really walking humility. Even when they're not wrong, sometimes they'll just be willing to say, hey, look, I was wrong. They have no problem. That, their, that, their mistakes don't, don't, um, their mistakes don't define them. You need to understand your mis in the kingdom, your mistakes and failures don't define you. Because Jesus, right? The cross. So you not being able to be honest about your mistakes, flaws, and failures, and what, what happens if that's inside of you, you'll just try and cover up them and you'll try and overcompensate. 
Instead, just, I, I'm, I, you are free to not have it all together, okay? None of us do, but when we can come in honesty, we make room for the Lord to heal us and to make us right, right? All right. Um, you live to help others succeed. You aren't entitled. Nobody owes you anything. The world doesn't owe you anything, right? Is um, You can trust that God, everything that you need, and God's going to provide, and the desires he puts in your heart, you can go after. But you're not entitled, right? Um, you are patient. I'm working on that. You don't promote yourself. You let other people have a better story than yours. And you honor other people when they are talking. So... For time's sake, I'm not going to expound anymore, but what a great list, right? So, Lord, deposit humility in us. Teach us humility. So, arrogance isolates. And I believe this, we're talking about humility and unity. I believe humility is a key ingredient in unity. All right? And so, this is what I want to do, because I'm about to move into talking about unity, is I believe that the Lord... He, he, he works humility. It, it, humility is who Jesus is. And I found this. I found that wherever there are things lacking in my life, it means I just need to see who Jesus is in that area. Um, so if I'm impatient with my kids, I need to look at Jesus and see that he's patient. I need to be able to see his heart in that. If I'm short with my, my kids, I need to real, or if I'm, if I'm edgy with my kids and always like, ah, is I need to know that Jesus said, hey, I'm gentle and I'm kind. And I can say, oh, if Jesus is gentle and kind, that means he can do that in me. Right? He's sanctifying my life. He's depositing that. So it's the same thing with humility. It's say, is I, I would encourage each one of you to say, Holy Spirit, teach me humility. Form Jesus in me. Form his heart in me. Amen? All right. I want to read this with you. Um, in John chapter 17, verse 20 and 26. Um, I, I want to talk for a moment about unity. Is, you know, that what I'm about to read um, in John 17, this was before Jesus went to the cross, but he was with his disciples and he prayed this prayer. This was kind of Jesus pouring out his heart. If you want to see the heart of Jesus and his burning desire, read John 17, okay? And we're about to read it together. But uh, this is Jesus praying. He, he says this. He says, and I ask not only for these dis- disciples, okay? He was talking about the disciples that were with him. He said, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. So Jesus right now is praying for me and you. He's saying, I'm not only praying for these who are with me right now, but I'm praying for those who will one day believe because of the message they're going to preach. So you need to know this is, the, this is the prayer Jesus prayed for you and for me. Okay? You might have not known it. Jesus is interceding for you now, but it's amazing that he said, I want you to see this prayer that I have for you. He says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. So Jesus chose to pray this prayer, that they would be one. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks about the body, 
We've been talking about unity. We've been talking about being one. This was Jesus' prayer. What if we lived our lives not just bringing prayers to Jesus, but actually being an answer to the prayer of Jesus? What a, what a significant way to live, right? And then he goes on to say, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. So, if you're taking notes, number one, Jesus' prayer is for us to be one. Number two, it actually means this. Whenever he said, experience, he said, I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the Aramaic that experience perfect unity, it actually is translated that they shrink into one. It didn't say they grow into one, that they would shrink into one. He was saying, I, I, I pray that as they encounter me, that they would shrink into one. So what does that mean? It means that we, we begin, to, if we're shrinking, it means that I believe we're losing our need to have opinions of one another and our high lofty opinions of ourselves and we begin to, as we begin to gather around Jesus we're more impressed with him than we are anything else and it causes us to come into one is that we have found unity and oneness around this thing Jesus this one man Jesus is that I believe that unity is not because we decided we're all going to just be close and love each other unity is not because we all live in South Louisiana and we've got crawfish in common and gumbo and all those things. Unity is our birth around Jesus. I've seen lots of churches in the name of like trying to make unity happen, put on events and they got and gatherings and it's all beautiful, but unity doesn't happen because we decided to do something. Okay, unity is birthed by the Spirit of God. And it only is birthed in us whenever we fully submit. To the Spirit of God. Right? And so, humility, unity, it is the working of the Holy Spirit in us. Our life as believers is actually allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us into the man of Jesus, into the image of Jesus, to have his nature and character. That's the life we live. This isn't, it's not behavior modification. It's not, hey, I just need to be a better person. You weren't called to be a better person. You were called to be a transformed person. Right? And so, but this is what that transformation births in our lives. It births humility and it births unity. And unity is not possible without diversity, right? It means this is that we all look different, right? We have different giftings, but our heart is centered around him. And what he is producing is a love for each one of us around us. Is that you, can, you, you begin to see Jesus in them. You begin to stop looking and seeing faults and begin to see that there are differences. And you begin to say, hey, how are they revealing Jesus and I can appreciate that. And I can, I can join with that. How, is, how are they expressing Jesus in their life? I begin to, because we have him in common, I'm looking for him in your life. Right? All right. So one, Jesus' prayers for us to be one. Um, we experience perfect unity as we shrink into one. Um, and, and again, the unity is all the work of Jesus. So this is what Jesus was saying, is that there is actually corporately, as you experience me, unity happens. You know, this morning when we were in worship, right? Could you sense unity in the room? Yes. 
right? Because he was made Lord. We, we came in and we said, he's Lord. We're here to worship him. And you find that you begin to have a heart for one another in the room. You know, I've, I've found this. We, I hear stories every week. Um, uh, let me tell this story. Is We were actually at um, the baseball field with our boys and um, our coach's wife actually came up to us and was began to tell us that, hey, uh, my oldest daughter was having some issues in her life and was um, really stepping away from the Lord, got to the point where she, we even had to kick her out the house. And, um, and a friend of hers who comes here brought her to church. At, towards the end of church, somebody here, I don't know who it was, came up to her, led by the Spirit of God, having a, feeling the Lord's heart, and began to share with her what the Lord was saying to her heart. And began to unlock her heart with what the Lord was saying. And it was in a moment, it was transformative for her life. As she said, no, that, oh, that one moment, it completely changed the direction of her life. And that's what the body's supposed to look like, is whenever we come under, when we come under the Lordship of Jesus and we begin to sense his heart, it begins to turn our hearts towards one another and say, how do, um, Lord, how do I partner with you to draw this person close to you? That's whenever, I've said this, is that when I sense God's love for people, the gifts flow freely. The gifts flow freely. Maybe you're in the room and you're like, I am passionate about the gifts of the Spirit. We all should. If you want that to flow freely in your life, begin to make Jesus Lord. Submit to His Lordship. Fall in love with Him. Recognize His deep love for you. And those things will flow freely. And you'll realize you don't need permission, anybody's permission to love on people. Right? And so I believe the Lord wants to teach us humility and unity. He wants to paint a picture for us. What would it, oh, let, let, me, let me say this. I want to read this part. Um, he says, you, will live, you live fully in me and now I fully live in them so, everybody say so, that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. So how is the world going to be convinced of Jesus? Because we're one with him. We're one with him. Right? And what's, so what's the greatest evangelism tool reaching the world? It's making a decision that he's Lord. And that as he loves us, we're having love for one another. We're not isolating. We're not looking for our own thing. It's not what Jesus did. Jesus came and he served and he loved and he was setting an example of this isn't going to be about everybody just doing their own thing. This is going to be about us surrounding around one common thing and it's going to birth something in us that the world needs. We live in a nation that is so divided. So divided. I believe that the answer for this generation and for this nation is the body being the body that Jesus prayed for. That we begin to gather around his presence. That we begin to gather and, and submit to the Holy Spirit and what he's producing in us is what the world needs. It's what they're attracted to. They're saying, look, I don't understand everything, but the way that you love one another, the way that you serve one another, that's attractive. And Jesus was saying, that is how they're going to know and believe me. That's how they're going to know that I came Right? And so I believe 
That, that is, you know, I, I love the simplicity of the gospel. It's like there, you, you can read the Bible and be like, oh, there's all these different things. There's this and that. There's, there's evangelists and apostles and there's pastors. All. How are we going to make all this happen? But I believe Jesus gave us this simple thing of saying, hey, make me Lord. Make me Lord. Invite, invite my spirit into your life, this one thing. And, and, it's, and he's painting pictures of this is what it's going to produce. This is what's going to happen. Is that you, you, you might say, well, I just don't like people. You might say, well, look, I just have, I'm offended with this person. These people, if, look, if you find that you're, you're always in cahoots with people, you might need to come under the Lord's, um, his authority, be able to come into his presence, encounter his love for you so that you can love people really well. That's his heart for you. He doesn't want you to be constantly offended with people, constantly feeling like you've got to defend yourself. And I understand that everybody in the room, you've probably been hurt in some way by people, right? There might be somebody in the room that you're like, this person is just offensive to me. <laughs> Their whole life, who they are, they're just an offensive person. And I believe that the Lord, well, what you'll happen is whenever you begin to bless them and pray for them, and you begin to have, allow the, the Holy Spirit to give you his, his version of them to you, You'll feel your heart soften, and you'll be able to forgive, and you'll be able to love well. And that should be normal in the body. should be normal in the body for us to, if we get offended with one another, is that we learn to let it roll off. Right? He who's forgiven much is loved much. That's what communion with the Holy Spirit does, is it turns our hearts to one another. We're not fighting for our own way. We're not trying to make our own thing happen. It's why we have division in the church many times. I believe it's, it's what the world has seen for the most part in the church is division after division after division. And it's because we haven't made him Lord. Right? And I just believe the day and hour for that is, is ended. I believe, I, I believe the Lord in his mercy has had enough. And I believe for us is that maybe... Maybe you're hearing me talk about the gifts of the Spirit and all these different things, and you're like, I just don't agree. Well, look, let's agree about this, is that Jesus is Lord, and He's the leader, and that He can actually tell us what's in His heart. I would say this, if we disagree, then we both just need to go to Him and ask Him His heart. And with the idea that we, one, of, one of us might be wrong or both of us might be wrong, I and mean, it's okay. Like, instead of us dividing, what if we just said, he's Lord and he's going to teach us. Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to lead you into all truth. So can we just trust that he'll lead us into all truth? Instead of coming with all of our baggage and with all of our church hurt, what, and, and I'm saying all that's real and I, I love you and I pray for you. What if we left that at the door and said, Holy Spirit, Teach us how to come into you. Teach us how to answer, be the answer to your prayer. Teach us what unity looks like. More than we want our way. More than we want to limit you to our own experience. Lord, come and be Lord. Come and you define what you want it to look like. If we don't carry that heart where we're surrendered to him and he's Lord, when he does come and move, it will be offensive to us. Because at really, 
us having it our own way is a religious spirit. The antidote to that is to say, God, I only want your way. I only want it what, how you want it. Even if I don't understand it, even if it's new for me, even, even if it's not what I, even if it's uncomfortable, Lord, I want what you want, right? And so many of you, I feel like you just need to hear that, is that the Lord knows and he cares about you. He cares, but he cares about every person in the room. And he's actually willing to work with you. He's willing to work with your history, the good, the bad, the ugly. He's willing to, to speak to every place. But we can no longer allow division in the body. We can no longer allow opinions to tear us apart. We've got to be able to come under his lordship, right? All right. I am about out of time. Let me say this. Unity is the result of us encountering Jesus together. Um, man, I really have so much more for you, but I, um, I, I want to so plain and simple is this, is if you're wondering what I believe the Lord is doing right now in the house, what he's wanting to establish in our hearts, it's unity and humility. And, and I believe he's positioning us for what he wants to do in this community and in this region and in our lives. And I said this a couple weeks ago is we have a way of in the Western world reading everything as individuals. But I believe the Lord wants to teach us community. He wants to teach us that my life is not just my life, that my life affects everybody that I'm connected to. My decisions and my agreement and how I posture my life is that if you're part of this family, everything you do matters to this family. If you're hurting, we're hurting. If you're rejoicing, we want to rejoice with you. That should be the heart and the DNA of the house. Right? And I, Because that's Jesus' heart. If you're, if you're close with Him, that's what you're going to feel. If you're close with Him, you're going to say, I don't want to hurt the people around me. I want to help heal the people around me. You see, closeness with him brings about all the right feelings and all the right actions. But I believe that what we need is a complete surrender to his lordship and to his love. Everything in the kingdom is built on the foundation of his lordship and his love. If for you, you're saying, listen, I've been arrogant. I've, I've isolated you don't need to beat yourself up. You just need to come and receive his love. You need to come and allow the love of God to penetrate your heart. Allow him to come and rest in you. Right? Listen, I, I desire all that God has for us. I desire the more of God. I desire um, to see, Wilson, we, we get to see miracle after miracle, and it's awesome to hear just what the Lord's doing in people's lives. I want that to be our normal for everybody, is that we see the supernatural and the miraculous. I want to see the Lord pour out His Spirit on this region. But I believe our, us preparing our hearts and preparing a place for Him is um, our responsibility that our, we turn our hearts to Him and say, Lord, you really can come how you want to come. And you can come and move how you want to move. And that you're going to teach us how to have affection for you, for others, 
for the body. It's how the Lord's drawing everyone to himself is because you've known his love and you've poured out his love. Amen. Hey, let's stand together. Y'all good this morning? I, I love being with you. I love gathering on Sunday mornings. I love gathering all the other times that we gather. I love to see um, people encounter the Lord. And so this morning, this is what I want to do. Is I want us to come under the Lord's, under Jesus' Lordship. And I want us to say, Lord, today our prayer is that we would be an answer to your prayer. That we would be one. Show us what it looks like. Show, show us what, it, what, what would happen if we began to uh, not just say we want to be unified, but Lord, that we would really allow you to do that in our hearts, even if it confronts some things inside of us. Right? So come on, let's just lift our hands to heaven this morning. Lord, first and foremost, Lord, we repent for every arrogant place in our lives. Every place we've fought for our own way and tried to define our own lives. Where we haven't come under your leadership and where we haven't fully surrendered to you. This morning, the Lord is asking for some of you to fully surrender. Some of you in the room, you've isolated. You've withdrawn. And the Lord's saying, I want to draw you close. So this morning, Lord, I I just even believe that the Lord is calling us, uh, many of us, just into repentance. Like we know we haven't got it right. And the Lord says, I want to make it right, but I want you to turn away from that thing. I want you to choose that you're not going to live like that anymore. You're going to lay down your selfish life so that you can allow him to give you the real desire of your heart. So this morning, we, Lord, we step away from arrogance. We repent for that. Lord, we repent for trying to make it our own way, Lord, for having high and lofty opinions of you, of life, and of people. And Lord, we just turn from that now and we say, Holy Spirit, come and reveal Jesus to us. Come and reveal his heart, that he was the one who came and he served um, he served his disciples. He, he washed their feet. Even the one that would betray him, he washed his feet. Lord, teach us that kind of love. Impart that kind of love for one another to us. Lord, that as we gather in your presence, Lord, you set the highest example of what humility and unity is. And so, Jesus, we say today that we need you. We turn from any other way of doing things. And we turn to you. We love you. We honor you. We bless you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.